Well, welcome back to another edition of Breakthrough Chronicles. And I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to have our next guest. Uh, and I say so selfishly because she is a dear friend, but it's the only way I can see her and talk to her because of her crazy schedule as we welcome in none other than, than Coach Dar. And my goodness, it is so good to see you, Dar. Oh, it's so good to see you. I, I wish I could give you a hug through the screen, but it is so good. And I, I'm sorry we're seeing each other through the screen, but I'm so grateful for this time. <laughs> well, like, likewise, and hopefully we can see each other in, in person sometime soon. Uh, although I'm not counting on that based on your, your current calendar. We'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But just for some of our, our viewing and listening audience, to, uh, to put it into context, uh, well, first off, she becomes our first author uh, as, uh, as a guest here on Breakthrough Chronicles. And when you hear her story, you're going to, to know exactly why she is on this program and doing what she does. But darn, I go back a few years from when mm -hmm. we were both working for the Phoenix Suns, and she was the, the, the mental coach for the Suns. And... Dart, when, when you look back at those experiences um, mm -hmm. and your time specifically with the Suns, what, what stands out about your time and, and what you were able to draw from that? It was really a family. I mean, I just am so grateful because you hear about mental skills coaching so much more now. And when I started with them, it was just really, obviously, sports psychology has always been around but I was helping them a lot more on shifting their mindsets, life skills, mental skills, building their edge. And it was at a time where it was getting people, the players really just, they loved it. And it was building a family with them and them to see that there doesn't, something doesn't need to be wrong to work on your mindset. And I was really able to help share that with them and understand like, anything that you're going through, processing, talking about it, but also to build your edge on the court because when you come on into the pros, everyone is good. So what's going to be the right. differentiator? Sure, a little bit of your skill set, but also it's going to be this, your mental fortitude. So having that experience with them, teaching some of that stuff, and we've had such strong bonds that players obviously have gone to other teams that still we keep in touch. And it's it's like I'm a big sister to a lot of these guys that I still get to be in support and, and be there for them. Yeah, and, and I want to go back uh, later on, and we'll touch on that, but it, it's why I wanted to kind of lay the foundation of what you have done previously. And that's just really kind of scratching the surface. But, mm -hmm. you know, for, for the folks who are watching this on, on YouTube, you know, they see you today and you are the picture of health. You are a picture of positivity. But it wasn't all that long ago that you experienced health setbacks in your life that, um, well, frankly, you know, put you down, derailed yeah. you for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And it, if you can just share that having mm -hmm. had a third stroke in your life and right. maybe how all of those other experiences help get you back on the path to where you are today. Yeah, and you said it right, third stroke. So I'm sure people are listening and go, wait, did I hear that straight? And yes, it's true. And and what you're saying too is when that season, that particular season ended, that's when I had my lap, my most recent stroke, my third stroke. We had come off the road and I had a headache on a Monday and it was bothering me. And by the end of the week, it was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. But because I've had a couple of strokes before, my first one, was when I was 25 years old. And then I had a second one about six years ago. And then the last one was about three or four years ago. And I knew the signs by then because <laughs> I've been like, oh, I've been to this rodeo before. And so <laughs> right. much so that when the third stroke happened, I went to like a little clinic around the corner because I knew the symptoms were coming on. And they're like, Dar, we don't cover your insurance. So we're going to call an ambulance. And I said, don't call an ambulance. That's going to be the price of a country. I said, I'll just Uber to the hospital. They're like, what? So I Ubered myself to the yard ER with a note. I'm having a stroke. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm reading this in the book and I'm like, what? Dar, what? You, 
So you know, somebody gives you a note that you walk into. <laughs> it's like, I'm ta- but here's what I want you to know is I'm not downplaying how severe because it was my worst stroke. But the mental skills that I have built over the years from my first stroke to now through being a, an occupational therapist, I help people in this. And the irony, Kev, is that when I started my career, I was taking care of stroke and brain injury patients in the hospital working on their cognition and function. And then I had mine after I'd gone to see a chiropractor when they manipulated my neck, they ripped the artery and I had a dissection. <clears throat> I didn't know about it. So they found it too late. And that was the start of it all. So over the years, I have to overcome that. And as the years went on, I'm helping people in sports and business and leadership build mental resiliency. That's my whole niche, resilience. So by this third one, I, you know, it's like, do the hard things because they'll make you better. Well, I've done enough of the hard where by the time <laughs> the third one came, I was like, here we go again. It's like getting the cold plunge. Here we go. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> but in all, as much as I'm using some humor, this third one, I knew it was happening. And I remember going into the ER. And at that time, I did not want to call. My family lived in Connecticut. And right. I live in Arizona. And I didn't want to bother them because my mom had just had a stroke a month before. So I didn't want to worry. We're an Italian family. You know, they're all going to worry. <laughs> so I, I just sat in the ER and I thought, if something happens, I don't think anyone's going to know I, I'm having a stroke in a hospital. So it got a little bit more serious. And then long story is I end up checking myself out of the hospital after being inpatient for uh, like about four days because they're like, we don't cover your insurance. I was like, what is going on here? So I did all my own rehab. I literally checked myself out. I did all my own rehab. And that's why I am so passionate. I know what it's like to be in the thick of adversity, to have to overcome hardship, to feel sad. That summer, I was so depressed, honestly, because I was like, it's summer in Arizona. Everyone's gone. There's right. no community. And I had to stay inside and I couldn't read, write. I couldn't walk well. I couldn't even use my hands. I would make a protein shake and then I couldn't open it. <laughs> it's just, you just learn how to come back. And I, through using all the skills that I help people, I turned it on myself and I got back better, faster than I had ever had because I, I had applied the principles that I know a lot quicker. Right. And, and you know, speaking of principles and foundation, I, I know for you, you've mentioned it already uh, a few times, but faith, family, and, and sports really have been yeah. pillars uh, for, for you your entire life. Yes. How, how did all of those factor in to, to your process, your recovery mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In, in, in getting back from this? Thankfully, my family, you know, my mother went through multiple heart surgeries. She's a woman of faith. You know, she, I would see her get back. She had 10 heart surgeries and different things throughout her lifespan. First triple bypass at 40. And Kevin, this woman got back up. She was a barber, okay? So she would go. She'd be back at work as soon as she could. And she's like, if God has me here, then I still have someone to serve. And it would give her purpose. So I saw that growing up as a resilient tool. And it just is one of those things that I, I call faith. It's like Red Bull. It gives you wings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Exactly. So it does. It gives you hope. It gives you a sense of something bigger. And I've seen miracles from working in the hospital and all over. That for me, it's a sure sign, like there is something bigger that's overseeing us. And we're and as long as we're here, we still have life. We're good to go. And so faith was one of them. Obviously, my family, they're so supportive that we live far away. But and family is also extended family. You know, we have such a good community, which right. leads me to sports. The sports community is, do you know, it's we're so close that when I had my stroke, the first person to call me was Devin Booker. He called me on the phone right away and he's like, how are you? And Tyson Chandler was the next one. And, you know, we're, it's just a, and to this day, they're my family. And so we have, sports has created such a family for me that we all kind of look after each other and it's beautiful and it's, it's what we need. We need community to get through adversity. Yeah. It, well, and you'd said it early on um, here in, in our visit that, you know, our time together traveling with the Suns, you you really, because look, let's face it, during the course of an NBA season, we're with 
our colleagues, yes. our sports, I call them our sports family. We're with yeah. our sports family more than with our, our real family. Absolutely. Um, but it, it, it's so important to, to be able to share and have those personal experiences. Yes, right. there is lines drawn about, yes, you're a professional athlete. This is my role. But at the end of the day, we're all traveling together. And, yeah. you know, honestly, we're all pushing and trying to achieve yeah. the same thing, maybe just in, in different, you yeah. know, phases of our life and different aspects of, uh, of the sports world. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful because it is a family. And I think anyone, you know, you work in, I used to be help out in the music industry in Nashville. That's its own family. Sports is its own family. You, you the people you work with, you see the most. So I hope everyone gets the chance to work with really good people because that's how we build friendships. And right. to this day, I mean, really, this is my community and it's gotten me through a lot of things and it's been great to be able to help people through their adversity too. Well, your your community, I'm guessing, has has grown significantly over the last three or four months because uh, through your th through your I guess health rigors and challenges, mm -hmm. you you authored this book, uh, <laughs> The Art of Bouncing Back, and just take us through the, those first early steps for you when yeah. you decided. I need to share this with as many people as possible. This is great because when I first started a long time ago, my mother had set this kind of in my, I guess, spirit where she, I used to go to work with her in the summers and there was this little independent bookstore and she said, someday your book's going to be here and I'm going to be the first to buy it. And I thought, <clears throat> mom, I was taken out of first and second grade because I couldn't even read fast enough. <laughs> you know, and I had to catch up and then the teacher helped me catch up and I became this like bookworm and I loved books after that. But here was this, my mother saying this and you're thinking, okay, but it, it lit something in me. And then years later I started and I was going to write, my original book was going to be about awakening greatness, the patterns of greatness. Cause that's what I watch. I help people watch their patterns to lead them to greatness. So that's where I started. But then, and I started that while we were traveling with the sons and then the stroke happened and then I could not write. I couldn't even read. So I thought, you've got to be kidding me. So I kind of was giving up. And that's when my sports agent said to me, why are you playing God so small? I was like, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. She's like, you have helped thousands of people bounce back from such adversity. You've bounced back from such adversity. She's like, you've got to write. And I thought, I can't even see the damn paper. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so what happened is after that, just as it was happened, I got a call from a literary agent. She's like, I just heard your name at an NBA All-Star game. And she's like, and I'm thinking, who is this person? And I want to find out. And so she heard my story. And she says, I want to give you a chance to get your book out there. There's clearly a formula. What is it? And I go, I don't know. I just know how to help people. She goes, there's got to be a formula. So when I sat down and I thought, well, the opportunity just came after my, you know, agent Kelly just said, don't put God in a corner. I better step up and see what comes of this. And I started writing Kevin. And as I started writing, it started to just come clear as day. I truly have used this kind of flow to help people not even just bounce back, but to thrive, to greatness, to understanding right. who you are, your hard wiring, building your confidence, embracing the suck and the setbacks and all of the things that I put in there. It is a flow formula that helps you get ready for when the hits come. So you're more resilient. You bounce back faster when, the, when it does hit and then you thrive again. You show up better after this. Right. It's funny. I've got, you can see, I've got all my little pages marked here and you you brought up one that that uh, maybe my favorite principle em embrace the suck but yes. you really do like in in like order that. to to start that path back from whatever it is mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge you know what it is you are trying to move past and so embrace the suck i mean you couldn't be any clearer right <laughs> when i first started writing that chapter i was like gosh that word is just like I'd, and i'm like but there's no other way to say it you know you tear your acl uh, uh, season ending, you know, injury or health problems, divorce, financial loss. When you're going through it, the last thing you want is positive Pollyanna coming around the corner. You're like, no, this sucks right now. So you've got to come alongside someone and even ourselves. We have to go, 
at some point we've got to go, I've got to embrace it. This happened because if we don't embrace it, we cannot get through it. So I had to start it with that. Right. No, it, it, it's, it's absolutely perfect. And, and you're right. It is, we, we as humans, you know, have these ways of avoiding the obvious <laughs> of trying to, you know, walk around the wall and you keep walking and you realize the wall just keeps going. And <laughs> there's only one way, you know, through the wall. And that is truly through the wall. So that it, is. it, it was absolutely crystal clear. Embrace the suck. So keep, keep that in mind for, yeah. for our audience. You know, one of the things that struck me, too, when I was reading this book, Dar, is and I don't know why it, it just hit me now, but with professional athletes mm -hmm. and athletes in general, but, but more so probably professional athletes, the one thing that they do is what they practice every day. They're looking mm -hmm. at, at game film, uh, looking at practice film. They're getting coached. And I thought, you know, we, we as humans have the simplest things in front of us. And it's so often the simple things that we miss or again, right. avoid just talk about using those same kind of, mm -hmm. of of principles in our in our daily life because I think you know no we don't have practice film to look at but why don't more people mm -hmm. sit and look at their day that they've had and look ahead of the day or week that they that they want to have and recognize the good the bad and and taking those those steps and I know you share here the the affirmations yeah. that uh, people, mm -hmm. it just feels like it's so easy to dismiss. Oh, I don't have time. But how exactly. important 10 or 12 minutes can be yes. to setting yourself up for a great day, a great week, a great yeah. month, a great year. It's so, I love this so much because you're a thousand percent right. And, you know, that's what I shared in the, the chapter about feedback, seeking and applying feedback. The pros are the pros. Because, and this is anything for life, the best of the best are willing to seek and apply feedback. And in the pros, they have to, they're getting feedback on the iPads game time. Like yeah. real time, they're getting feedback from the people sitting next to them, their teammates. And here we are outside of sports, people in the business world, they might get a performance review once a year maybe quarterly and people are breaking down when they hear that feedback and I'm trying to encourage people if you truly want to show up and be the best at what you do lean into feedback more ask people around you what's it like working with me in your relationships you know ask say what's it like being with me and most people are scared of feedback because it's uncomfortable and what you hear, you may have to change. And people love staying in the comfort zone. But yeah. the pros are the pros because they are pushed every day out of their comfort zone. They're put to perform in front of thousands of people. Thousands of people on social get to write about them. ESPN and every show under the sun, all of these shows get to talk about them. And they have to build a resiliency to either clear the noise on what they don't need to take on, but also seek on those that are trying to help them to get better. So I'm encouraging everyone listening, really embrace this principle, because if you do, you are gonna show up so much better and you will have this awareness. And you could do this in simple terms of, like you said, at the end of the day, even just take inventory from of yourself. How did the day go? What are the wins? I have all the players I work with journal, so they'll go, what was the win for the day? What were the challenges of the day? And what do I need to improve for tomorrow? So it's there written, but this could be for anyone. What was your win for today? What were the challenges for today? And what do you need to improve tomorrow? You're going to increase your emotional intelligence. You're going to increase your leadership development and personal. Do this for personal. Do this for professional. Most are not doing this because it's uncomfortable. Don't be like everyone else. Be that 1% that makes the change that does this because it's these little tweaks that over time builds compound interest and greatness starts to develop. But most people, they think, oh, this is, I've heard this, you know, I've heard about journaling, I've heard about writing or even just sitting and taking inventory, but you get so busy and then you don't do it. Well, right. If you don't do it, you can't get better. And the only way to get better is to stay consistent in routines that benefit you. 
Yeah, the, the other thing that you've got in the book, uh, and you touched on it uh, just a moment ago, no failure, only feedback. But but to your point, people don't want to acknowledge <laughs> that they need the feedback. <laughs> and they there goes the, you know, the avoidance once again. Yes. And it's all, and truly, I'll say this, oftentimes, it's just because you you haven't exposed yourself enough to it. And so let me make the parallel of when I go in the cold plunge, it's 35 degrees. Right. It is cold. And my body, it's not like I'm like, oh, I love this. But after going in it enough, my body's like, here she goes again. I know it's happening. We got this. It's not that bad. It's two minutes. We'll be good. But it's because of enough exposure to it, your brain and your body starts to adjust. I'm telling everyone right now, with feedback, putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations enough, it starts to be the norm. That's why the players could come and watch film during game, after, the next day. And it's just part of the norm now. Sometimes it's not fun hearing things, but it's part of the routine. So if everyone would make this part of the routine, it won't be so scary anymore. Yeah, and you you mentioned it a moment ago, uh, emotional intelligence. It, it's you refer to it as EQ mm-hmm. in your book, and I think I've, I've got it right here. Uh, James Clear from oh, his yeah. book Atomic Habits that you put in there. Uh, it, it, it's interesting too because I do think because you noted like with successful people, they're able to deal with setbacks mm-hmm. easier because of those experiences and maybe what they have been armed with. And it got me to thinking, you know, oftentimes we are a a product of our surroundings, right? A product of of our upbringing. So what would you share with people who are maybe trying to break that cycle? You know, Mm -hmm. people who are, you know, working hard, trying to do the right things, but maybe they're not surrounded by the right people. Maybe they've been brought up in a different way and getting them to acknowledge they're just one step away from maybe breaking out and, and, and bouncing yeah. back, so to speak. Oh, I promise everyone listening, you are one step away. You are literally, and you're one step, one person, one routine, one habit away from making the whole shift in your life. So start taking inventory right now. Really look at your circle. Cause like, here's a good example. When we would travel on the road, it was so natural that after lunch, like there were people, we would go and work out in the gym and the afternoon. Right. It's just what we did. We all, so health is important to us. Now, if we were in a different setting where it wasn't and everyone just stayed and watched film and they just, and they never took care of their health, that's what we would naturally fall into cadence to. You fall into the cadence of the people that are around you. So take inventory. Is there, are there people that need to shift and letting go is hard. You could just say like, Hey, I'm, there are things I want to grow on and this is where I want to grow too. So grow with me or we're growing apart. And that's hard. But if you really want to make the generational change, break, you know, kind of the curse that's been following you, make that change, change the people around you, change the habits. So if every day you get up and you're doing something that's not fueling you right from the get-go, change that in the morning so you set yourself up to win in the morning, which then that will start to eventually allow you to win the day. So look at the habits, look at the people, look at the thoughts and start with intention. If I change just one thing today, what would that be? And how could I make my environment work for me, not against me? How would you tell people in, in, that, in those circumstances, in those situations? Um, because you and I, we, we all know that that change is so hard and so difficult. And having those conversations. You know, they, they are not they are not fun conversations to have because these might be people that sh- that have been a part of your mm-hmm. life, you know, from the time that you were young. So what what kind of wisdom would you share with these people on how to have that hard conversation? I think start by just start making the shifts and you showing up differently, like you showing up changing your habits a little bit, you know, maybe you're doing some personal development, let them start to see that there's a shift in you. So it's not all talk and they start to see it. So then when you have the conversation, you could say, I've had a mentor, I've been learning this and I could tell it's making such a difference in my life. 
I would love to share these with you or I would love this. So, you know, maybe they want to come along. So you might not have to break apart because you your energy could change that. Or if they don't, you could say, I'm so focused on making life better and I want to help so many people, whatever that I'm doing, that it's time for me to kind of go in this direction. And I don't know if that's where you want to go, but I've got to go. So that might mean that there's less time we have together or there might, you have to just start having that conversation where I'm not making it personal, like they're bad. You could just say I'm drawn. And then by nature, start hanging around the people that are the future, that are who you want to become. And by you being in a different, you're spending more time in a different location with different people, they'll naturally start to pick up on that. And you could say, these are the, this is where I'm kind of going. If you want to come, this is kind of what we do. And we get up, we work out where, you know, I've even like people that used to be, they gossip a lot or negative. I've gotten up from tables where I'm like, Hey, we're either shifting the conversation or I get to go home because there's not enough time to be talking. I want to talk about making the world better. And everyone looks and they're like, Oh, sugar. Cause they know, <laughs> they know it's not right. right. You know? So, so we've got to hold the standard and by all means, it's not ever making anyone feel bad. You're just going, like there's so much stuff in this world we could do great. Let's do it together. And excellence is the standard. Kobe Bryant did not feel better. I mean, bad uh, forever holding the standard of this is where I want to go. And this is the level we play at. He just he just commanded it. No, I, I love that because I think far too often people do feel this like, well, you're making me decide between, you know, this person or this person. But the way that you frame it allows them to come along and, and to, yeah. to be a part of it. And, and who knows, they they may be they may be feeling the same way, but are afraid to say it. So okay. instead of creating this chasm between this other individual you you might have a, a new ally who wants yes. to join that march with you, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, when I even giving feedback in business, when I'm helping leaders, if there's someone not pulling the rate at work, I'll just, I'll remind people it's, there's not a bad person per se. It's a bad behavior, right? It's just, it's not healthy. So you say to people, here's the deal. You're either going to be the starter in business, like with this team, you're going to be on the bench, coachable, wanting to learn, or you're off the team. There's nothing personal about this. Like, we want to win a championship year. You need to show up as a starter, and a starter has all these qualities. These are the qualifications. Same in our friendship circle. I want to win in life with the people that I'm around. I want them to be people that are adding value to this world, not taking it away. So you're either in the inner circle because you're showing up and you're adding value to this world, or you're, like, working towards that, or you're not in the inner circle, not because I don't like you. It's just... Day to day, we are, it's contagious. So are we making the world better or are we hurting it? That's who's <laughs> going to be around it. How old were you, if you can remember, when you decided this was the path that, that you wanted to take? <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, when my, as far as being like an occupational therapist and starting helping people, my grandfather, ironically, had a stroke when I was 16. I went to the hospital. I'm visiting him. And this therapist comes in and starts working on his mindset and his cognition and his vision. And I'm thinking, this is fascinating to me. And she's helping him get better through daily activities. And I was like, what is this? So I learned what kind of therapist she was. And that's what I went to school for. But here's what's happened. When I had the first stroke and they told me I could die any day because the blood clot, the where it was, if it dislodged, they're like, Dar, you could die any day, so we need you to slow things down in life. I wanted to start a family then. I couldn't. All these things I was hearing, I could not do. And Kevin, I was like, I'm not the person you want to tell I can't do. Because I'm like, well, sugar, <laughs> now I'm going to do it. So I was like, well, if I could die any day and I'm 25, I was like, then I want to go. I want to go make the world better. I want to. And my thing at first was I want to fix healthcare, which that's ridiculous. But that's I was in healthcare. And I'm like, I just want people to be better. So I went back to school for business. Then early on, I was running, helping run companies. And then when the recession hit, 
that's when it really came to me because I saw people losing their house, their finances, setbacks, suicide, you know, so much loss during the recession back then in 2000, like eight, nine, 10. Uh -huh. And this is when it hit me. It was really like a calling. I left a very lucrative career to start a private practice in a recession. My father's like, is this the damn broke? What are you doing? Yeah, let's get her to the doctor again. She, she's experiencing yeah. some. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no clients, no uh, business plan. And this is not a good time. I was like, yep, I'm doing it. So I started speaking for free on mindset. I started trying to talk to people about if you would just shift the way you see things, you would shift the way the patterns and how you talk to yourself, reframe things. There's no way you can't make it through things. I help people with half of their faculties, you know, not working, overcome the extreme odds, losing your job, having an injury, even loss. Like we've got this. So what seemed normal to me, I know is not normal to everyone. And I sounded like Elon Musk saying there's going to be self-driving cars, you know? <laughs> and that's why I'm saying like mental skills coaching now is all the rage and everyone hears about it. But this is 27 years into this, like 15 plus years of privately practice trying to get the word out that now I'm like, oh, you all have joined on the damn bandwagon. Understand <laughs> your brain, your mind propels you forward or pulls you back. And that was a calling that happened. And I just started helping people speaking. And then that's when CEOs would, were coming to me saying like, I know there's something, there's a way I could lead more effectively, but I need to work on this from my mind. And then athletes were coming to me on the down low, Kevin, because they didn't want people to know. They're like, Dar, I could play on the court, but honestly doing interviews gives me anxiety right. or being in media. So, or it would be, I am playing, but like, there's something holding me back. Like I could be better. And this was, it was like all hush, hush. I said, you guys are killing any marketing because no one wants to talk about, you know, how they got better. So, and just over time, it started to grow where that's where it is today, you know, helping and now helping in all the leagues, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, from the boardroom to the locker room, to the family room, it doesn't matter to me. Right. Well, and, that, and that's what I think is so intriguing about your career path um, is the fact you, you've worked in all four of the major sports yeah. um, and you have come across so many intriguing, interesting individuals, uh, the, the, you know, the Fortune 500 CEOs. Yeah. And it, it it's the part of social media where I think you know, the, the, the personal aspect of it does tend to get lost. And it's one of the things that I said, why, why I wanted to, to start this show is for people to, you know, to really understand um, and feel and hear the substance of, yeah. of somebody's life. And, you know, mm -hmm. using you as a perfect example, like if people are looking at your social media over the last three and a half, four months, they think, Oh my goodness, it must be wonderful to be Dar. She's on a private jet. She's flying here. She's meeting with this person. She's getting to do this event. But not understanding you're there doing that, mm -hmm. spreading a message, but based on a on a huge setback that, that you mm -hmm. had uh in, in your life that frankly would have put a lot of people down for good. Yeah, for sure. By the third one, you know. I, I, for a small moment, I remember saying to yeah, myself, one, two, three strikes, you're out, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> do I just like give this up and go like live on the beach in a shack and like call it and just like live comfortably easy? My sister goes, oh, okay, you'll be there three weeks. And then you'll be going, hey, you know, they could change that business or I could help. <laughs> He's like, you're just not wired like that, Dar. She's like, so until you're called out, you've got it. You've got to go out and do what you do. And it's, and it thankfully, you know, you just, you get it out in 24 hours, but it's purpose. I will tell you when you, you and I have just said that we love so much what we do, Kev, that it doesn't feel like work. And by the way, I just want everyone, you may see all these highlight reels, but there's still health challenges I have to deal with. And there's right. still like, I, I, I can't feel I'm one of my feet consistently and things that happen that day to day, you wouldn't know. And they're part of the, they're part of daily life. And so some days when I like right now feeling so healthy today, I did a workout this morning. And I literally was like, Oh, I'm so grateful that I just feel good that there's no pain. I mean, my foot <laughs> might be a little numb, but there's just some things that you're like, when you, and not every day I feel good, 
but I just show up because what's my other option? You know, and you just look at what people deal with all over the world and you have, to, this is where I say reframe things. I always reframe it to say, there's a lot of hardship happening all over the world. Mine might be hard today. Tomorrow may be a good day, but I know it's someone else's tough day. And so I just respect and honor what everyone's going through. And I'm just so grateful for the days that we get, Kevin. And I think that's why I love what I do so much because, hey, I don't know when I'm getting called out. I don't know when if a fourth one's coming. So <laughs> while I have this runway, I just want to make the best ride of it, making the greatest impact. Yeah, just in reading uh, the, the the one excerpt in the book about the the list of don'ts uh, and can'ts that the doctor gave yeah. you, and mm -hmm. shocked that that had to send through your system. Um, yeah. But having having the willingness to to say, okay, that's great. I'm going to take that information, but this is what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not go I'm not. I'm not going to accept it. No. You know, as you have laid it out for me. Yeah. I mean, people have had cancer diagnosis that were literally terminally ill and they chose by shifting their mindset to say, no, like I'm not going to accept this. They did whatever treatment that they wanted and somehow people, they've beaten the odds. So I really believe so much in the power of our mindset and so much so that when I used to work in the hospital, I only had a few hours to initially assess a patient coming out of coma or after brain injury. And I would have to write their care plan, their treatment plan based on what I saw in just literally an hour of a day of meeting someone. But wow. I could tell by either if they were vocal, their mental framework or the people around them, whether, whether they were going to propel forward fast or it was going to be slow because it was all in their mindset or the people around them was either going to hold them up or propel them forward. So this is powerful for all of us in life, in relationships, in business. So much is how we see something. So if you always see a way, there will be a way. If you don't, you're closing the door. Right. You know, it, it's interesting. You, you, you've talked about so many of the different people that you've had a chance to work with, um, world-class athletes, you know, our, our, our guy book, uh, you, you and I both hold him near and dear, um, okay. fortune 500 CEOs and listening to their stories and helping them with their challenges. I'm curious in the last, what, three and a half, four months that you've been on this book tour, you, you've been out there amongst the masses, you know, with, with the people sharing yeah. your message, but at the same time, you've been hearing lots of mm -hmm. messages and, and mm -hmm. stories. If you can share maybe some of the more intriguing people that you have mm -hmm. encountered and how they've affected you. Well, I got it. One of the stories that recently just came through that I just, this gentleman had just executive just lost his job and they were downsizing, loses his job after being at some place for years, then gets diagnosed with cancer. And he had then someone in his family gets very ill. So all of this is happening in one month. And he is on his way to Barnes and Noble to buy a gift card to pay it forward for someone else while he's going through this, which says so much of his heart. And when he walks in, he happens to see my book, picks it up and then buys the gift card for someone else. And he reads it and he said, you have no idea. I was contemplating suicide. And he said, wow. and I read, I stumbled across your book and it kept me going. He's like, it is not only kept me going, but it's reframed my mindset where I feel like I will thrive again in life. And I have hope. And I, Kevin, I'm reading this like, oh my gosh, I just want to find this person. I want to call them. I want to, you know, how can I help? But you, you, you just never know when you're writing something that you're so passionate about that you pray it helps people what it will do. I mean, the book has gone where it's someone just wrote me who's going through, they just, a job change, uh, paralysis of their vocal cords, like they're in a bad space and they got the book and it's helping them through it. And they're in another country and someone else got it. And, um, their family decided that they and their children are going to read it every night to help the kids build mental resiliency. So it's their reading at the dinner table at night. They do 
30 minutes of reading and this is the book that they're using. So, but I mean, it's just the stories. Another gentleman who's run multiple, multiple, we would all know him. He happened to walk into a small bookstore that I happened to just do a book signing at on a whim. And he picks up the book this summer and he just calls me. He finds a way to get in touch with me. And he's like, you have no idea how much this book's helping me. I'm making a huge transition. It's the second mountain in my life. Like I've led, done well. It's the second mountain. And, and I feel like I'm going to find my purpose now by having gone through this. So I, it's just story after story. Athletes that I've worked with that are reading it now and um, helping them through like this next stage and this next season for them. So it's been such a blessing. People from all over the world that have read this that I would have never imagined. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the emotional fuel and, like you say, the the rewarding um, warmth that yeah. you yeah. carry forward each day, knowing that there is mm -hmm. at least one person who yeah. who will pick this up like a torch and say. Mm -hmm. I have a purpose now. I've, I've, I've got a cause. I've got a reason. Right. And, and you, you'd said in the book too, you know, knowing your why, finding, finding yeah. that why and yeah. really attaching yourself to that. It's so much so that, you know, it's become the book where people, as soon as they know someone's going through something, they're like, oh, you've got to read this book. So it's become the book where people are like, oh, it's, it's going to help you find your why. It's going to help you get back up. This has been the book that's been, which is, so much to my core, pay it forward. People are paying this book forward to so many people. And it, it's so nice because when you know someone's hurting or going through something, you just want to help. So sometimes just sending them something like this is like, here, this is a way for them who they don't know what to do to give them something that will give them tools to get back up. What would 13-year-old Dar tell today's Dar and, and vice versa? <laughs> Wait, I got that. I have to show you. Uh, do we have a Do we have a picture of thirteen year old Dar? What are you gonna? So look, I keep this notebook, and this is oh, that is fantastic. That's my natural hair color, by the way. But <laughs> this is little me, and I happen to keep this by my desk and with me because I, you know, I worked with an amazing quarterback in the NFL, and we went through this, and he he's done now, and he said. I look back at my younger self and I don't think I would have realized where I got, but he's like, I'm so proud. I want to say like, I'm so proud of you for never giving up. And I feel like that's how I feel when I look at this little person, this little, like, seriously, who it, this is hilarious. But when I look at this person, I, I would have never known, you know, that I would be where I am today. My mom was a barber. My dad was a tool and die maker. And I was from this Italian soprano family, but I had this, I had this stirring in me always. I mean, I ran for student council in sixth grade only because I was like, how do we affect change here? <laughs> what do we need to do? How do I help the people that aren't using their voice? And so it's obviously always been in me, but I, I say to that younger person, like, thank you for being who you were then but I'm so grateful that I never gave up so I could see what could be. Yeah. And don't you think going back to the earlier part of our conversation, don't you think we, we should all do that and, you know, yeah. go, go find a picture when you were yes. eight, nine, 10, because when we were eight, nine and 10, what did we all have? We all had this like undying, unbridled belief yes. of what we were going to do. There, there was nothing clouding it. Yeah. There was nothing that was going to stand in our way. And I just feel like sometimes, and it's funny because, <clears throat> and, and, you know, full disclosure here, folks, th this was not set up. I didn't know that Dara had a no. picture of herself, but just in, in reading the book and knowing you the way I do, I thought, you know, what would 13 year old Dar think and, and vice versa. But it also got me to thinking like, maybe we should all go find a picture of ourselves yeah when we're that age and, mm -hmm. and offer ourselves a reminder mm -hmm. that you believe then. So why don't you believe now? Yeah. Cause it's, you, that's such a good point. Like when you're that younger age, you, you, you're, you dream and you have all these dreams and then those teenage years come and then you, the confidence starts to go down sometimes and you're worried about what everyone else thinks 
And that starts to take away your dreams. It starts to take away your courage. And so it's a reminder, like, do not let the external forces take away what's been planted in your heart of the person that you are supposed to become. Because the gifts are in there from right from the get-go. You're just growing them along the way, but the world starts to take some of that spirit away from you. And so I made a joke one time. I said, isn't it funny when you're younger, you run around with a cape or a tutu and you don't care. And then when we go out, Kevin, and we're 90, I might be running around with a cape or a tutu and not caring. <laughs> but somewhere in between, we care so much to then get in our later years going, why the hell did we care so much when we should have just been living with this confidence and this hope and these dreams and just go after it. No, I, I, that, that is, that is spot on. And, and it, and it feels like, you know, when you're in your travels, um, it is reinforced all the, the good that is out there in, in humanity right now, yeah. but, but the importance of people, uh, yeah. Un unwrapping those gifts that they've had stashed under the tree or in the closet for far too long. Right. Yeah. 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 It's giving people hope again to just go do it. Like you want to wear the cape, go wear it. Show up at the grocery <laughs> store with it on. Who cares? <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that brings us to uh, to the partner program, and, and it was funny too when when Shannon, your assistant, sent me the email. I was like, "How perfect is this?" So, one of the things that I wanted to do with the program is allow our guests an opportunity to share something that's important to them beyond our, our topic of discussion, and that's causes, initiatives, charities. And so with that, uh, we call it our, our pay it forward uh, segment. And so fittingly, you, you've, got, you've got a perfect tie in here, Dar. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's perfect. I didn't even know that. So, well, yeah, Global Pay It Forward Day is my passion. It's, um, it's an amazing organization. It's it's a nonprofit. It's a global movement. I, I I happen to be the U.S. ambassador for Global Pay It Forward Day. Eighty-seven countries come together from around the world on April twenty-eighth to do acts of kindness. But the thing is not to just make it one day. This was started as a movement. A gentleman in Australia said, after he read the book and then saw the movies, like, what if I help free people who help free people? We built this momentum to just show how a simple act of kindness could be the thing that saves someone's day, changes their world, helps them out, gives them hope. So we did, it blew up in Australia and then it blew up where it's more countries wanted to get around this to show one, there are so many great people in this world. They wanna help in the, and they wanna serve. And that when you go out and do an act of kindness, especially for someone you don't know and you even just serving with expecting nothing in return, it is like the most amazing boomerang. You're not expecting anything, but what you're going to feel inside is unbelievable love. And then someone looks at you and they're like, wait a minute, like you don't even know me and you're doing something for me. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, why? It's because <laughs> I want to show that the world is kind. I mean, I was just the other day. One of the things that I like to do is I'm at the grocery store and I'll ask the cashier because no one's even talking to the cashier or there's not even one anymore, certain ones. Right. So you, and I said, hey, what's your favorite candy? And they'll tell me what it is and I'll put it on the belt and they'll put it in my bag and then I'll pull it back out and I'll turn and I'll give it to them. And they look and they're like, what? And I'm like, didn't you say this is your favorite? They're like, yeah, I'm like, it's for you. And I mean, I'm giving them a chocolate bar, you know? Right. But you would think I just gave them like, $5 million because someone cared to make that impact. So overseeing pay it forward is all about just sharing these stories of every single day. If we would just open our eyes and look up, we would see who needs a little bit more compassion or a gesture of kindness. I mean, the other day um, I was telling the story about, I was getting in late in the airport. It was like, 11 something the only thing i saw in front of me and i was hungry was that rocky mountain chocolate factory you know those chocolate <laughs> oh yeah i'm not even supposed to, i'm i'm daring i'm lactose intolerant so i can't even eat this stuff but i was i was gonna eat the inside of the apple i was that so was on hungry. the don't list for you but you're like no no <laughs> i was starving and i'm like i just need something so i get this apple i'm gonna get in the car and i'm so excited i'm gonna eat this and while i'm walking 
this woman walks up that works in the airport. She's off her shift. And Kevin, she looks so sad. And I just looked at her and I said, I know, I don't know you, but my heart is hurting. And I don't know what you're going through, but I just bought this. I did not even open it, but I want you to have it. It's a chocolate covered apple. She starts crying and says, it is my son's birthday and I have not been able to get him anything. And now I won't have to walk in the house empty handed. Well, I was like, what else do I have in my bag? Like (laughs) now I'm crying and she's crying and I'm thinking, what else do we need to get her? But it was that moment of taking time to just acknowledge and see the people around us and then say, how could we serve them? How could we help them? You know, simple little things. Someone helping me get my bag because I'm so short, you know, when I'm in the airport, get it down, a gesture of kindness of holding the door, telling someone they look beautiful or a nice smile or Kevin, it's so simple. And again, going back to what's simple, I swear people don't want to do. They do. They want a quick fix, but they don't want to do the things that make a difference. I want you to know, paying it forward is not, while it's a movement, it's an everyday way of life. And I'm encouraging people every day to say, please look up and see who just needs a little encouragement. Or I'll send random texts to say, I just wanted to let you know I was thinking of you. That's it. Sending you love. That's fantastic. Compounding kindness, compounding goodness. That's yes. That yeah. is fantastic. Well, listen, my friend, it has been so good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm glad we were able to, to find some time in your in your crazy whirlwind schedule. I'm glad you're getting to put your head on your own pillow for a few Thank nights, you. recharge Thank and refresh your body. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you on the court or the field out there. Yes, and good luck on the book tour, and uh, congratulations again. It's a, it's a fantastic book, and I would highly encourage everyone, anybody who is listening, watching, please go out and get it, and, and there is there is a message in there for you or maybe somebody you know. Dar, great to see you. Take care, my friend. Kevin, thank you. So good to see you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.